Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses, I've raised millions of pounds of investment, and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks, and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice, and everything else you need to know to start, scale, and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the HMO Podcast with me, Andy Graham. Today's episode, I'm going to take you for a little stroll down memory lane. I'm actually going to share with you one of my least favourite moments as a HMO property investor. It's something that happened on one of the projects. You might be surprised by it, you might not be surprised by it, but it's definitely not something I... I'm likely to forget. Uh, a little bit nerve-wracking and really should never have got myself into a situation like that. So, interested, intrigued maybe? Well, don't go anywhere because I'm going to share that story with you in today's episode. Hey guys, it's Andy here. We're going to be getting back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you very quickly about the HMO Roadmap. Now, if you're serious about replacing your income, or perhaps you've already got a HMO portfolio that you want to scale up, then the HMO Roadmap really is your one-stop shop. Inside the Roadmap, you'll find a full 60-lesson course delivered by me, teaching you how to find more deals, how to fund more deals and raise private finance, how to refurbish great properties, how to fill them with great tenants that stay for longer, and how to manage your properties and tenants for the future. We've also got guest workshops added every single month. We've got new videos added every single week about all sorts of topics. We've got downloadable resources, cheat sheets and swipe files to help you. We've got case studies from guests and community members who are doing incredible projects that you can learn from. And we've also built an application just for you that allows you to appraise and evaluate your deals, stack them side by side and track the key metrics that are most important to you. To find out more, head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk now and come and join our incredible community of HMO property investors. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. So let me set the scene here. I think we're going back to 2016 now and I am on site one day at one of our bigger projects. We were doing a big refurb across 25 rooms at a project that we'd just taken on. And the refurb was about 70, 70 odd thousand pounds. So it was a pretty big refurb, about five, 6,000 square feet of accommodation across five houses, which were all uh, next door to one another. And we had literally four weeks to do this refurbishment. As part of this refurb, we needed eight bathrooms, full redecoration, lots of general updates, new furniture. So so quite a lot of stuff. And as you can imagine, to kind of do a project like that, that scale on a timeline like that, you've really just got to throw people at the job. You've just got to flood it with guys. And that's what we had to do. So we were on a really strict deadline. Actually, this was a self-imposed deadline because we had taken the project on. We'd actually pre-let it. So come rain or shine, we had to get it finished because we had tenants moving in. I think this is sometime mid-June, this story, maybe third week of June, and we had tenants moving in first week of July. So really, really, really cutting it fine. And we'd put ourselves under a lot of pressure. And this had all happened very, very quickly. The deal itself had been, we'd been trying to make this work for about 12 months. 
And all of a sudden, it started to happen. So we had about 12 weeks where we just had to get everything aligned, all the plan, paperwork, try and get it let. So there's tons and tons of stuff happening. And to get a project of this size done in a timeline like that, in a really short space of time. And by the way, we only had four weeks to actually do the project because that's when we were going to get keys and really to to not get the tents in that soon, it was going to cost us about £10,000 a month, maybe more, to not have tenants in. So we could have kept it vacant, I suppose, for another four weeks or eight weeks, but we didn't want to because it was going to cost us another ten, another 10000 so on. So we really wanted to avoid that. So we imposed this really tight deadline on ourselves and that made it really tricky when we put the job out to tender. And in retrospect, what that meant was that we ended up with a team that were... <laughs> let's say, maybe not as good as we had hoped they would be, maybe not as skilled as we would have wanted them to be. Maybe we, uh, no, we definitely didn't do the due diligence that we needed to do. But to be fair, we didn't really have much of a choice. They were really the only people that told us they could do it at that time in that timeline. So anyway, we gave them the job, got them started, and I was over in Sheffield, and this was one of our projects in Manchester. One of our business partners was, was also on site regularly and I would come over periodically just to check on things and see how it was all going. And uh, as is the case with a lot of projects where in the early stages, there's a lot of mess, things being removed, lots of rubbish, you expect a site to be dirty. And then in sort of the second to third week, bathrooms are going in and stuff like that's happening. And all of a sudden, you know, things are happening and I'm seeing stuff that make me question the workmanship and actually what the outcome of this could be. Bathrooms looked pretty shoddy, tiling. Some of the painting had already happened that quickly, but when you see painters and decorators with paint all over their hands and faces, it starts to raise alarm bells. You know, who are these people? And there must have been 20 plus people across these five houses. So a lot of people on that site. And, and I didn't know everybody. I knew the, the main contractors, but obviously didn't know all these guys. And uh, I started to feel quite uncomfortable. And to cut a long story short, the workmanship, as you might expect, turned out to be really just not on par. And we had some big, big, big problems and some really, really tough decisions. And it started to dawn on me the more time I spent on site that we hadn't actually hired a team of... <laughs> people with lots of building experience that we had been led to believe. And while they were all nice people, the workmanship just was not up to par. And so, of course, we ran into some real problems with having to flag work, make them redo it, some people on site that we didn't want on site, paint everywhere. I mean, there was paint all over a a door threshold that was then just getting walked into housing, all this stuff. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, you know, this, this has the potential of going so wrong. And so we had to intervene. And a big project like this, moving very, very quickly, of course, people want paying. The main contractors want paying so that they can pay the guys that they've brought onto the site. And of course, if the work isn't getting done, then you don't want to pay. And we didn't want to pay. It wasn't that we didn't want to pay at all, but we wanted to make sure that when we were paying, what we were paying was justified. And I remember vividly this one day, we had to pull the plug on this and make sure something changed. And I ended up having a standoff with the main contractor. And I remember being stood there in this room and kind of leading up to this, they knew that there were big issues. They knew that we weren't going, we weren't prepared to pay them what they wanted. And there was a standoff. The guys stopped working. I met the main contractor there one day on site 
and I was having this conversation in the room with him. And basically, he's essentially demanding this money and I'm saying, well, we're just not prepared to pay it because you just haven't done this and this and this and this. And all the while, I'm sort of calling their bluff because at the same time, we're in this so deep now that we just need to find a way out of it. We've just got to find a way of getting this work rectified and done. And I really did want to keep them on board as much as I wanted to get rid of them and get them off site. And so we kind of had to bite that bullet. But I remember being in this room, having this very, very awkward and difficult conversation, feeling kind of intimidated, this guy staring at the ground, getting angrier and angrier. And uh, started to realise he's kind of, for the first time, like his face and head was full of scars. I started to really sort of wonder who we'd brought on the site and it, and it all started to dawn on me. And actually, it wasn't until this point I realised that the people that had been on our site were travellers. As this conversation was happening in one of the downstairs bedrooms, outside of our building appeared about six or seven cars and out of those cars emptied about four people, five people from each vehicle who all started to congregate outside. And of course, these are all the guys that were working on site, plus lots and lots of people we did not know. And there were some telltale signs and that it was at that moment that I realised that actually we had had travellers on the site and this really had the potential of going so far south. And clearly they were trying to intimidate us into paying. And actually for the first time in doing this, like the HMO stuff, I was really, really intimidated. What on earth was I going to do? But I wasn't just prepared to pay it. And being a bit stubborn, like I often am, I kind of put my foot down and I wasn't prepared, maybe on principle to, to make any payment. I wanted to give them the opportunity to rectify and get the job done. And while all these guys are pretty much queuing up at the door to give me and my business partner an absolute pummeling and I'm panicking and sweating away, managed to just negotiate our way out of it, get them to come on, rectify some works, put a payment plan in place and escape that day without being harmed. But I think, and I I make light of it now, but there was genuinely a point where I thought we were going to get potentially... (laughs) Battered by 30 guys. And uh, who would know, of course, you know, who would know what had happened here uh, and why it happened. So I learned a lot from this project, actually. That was the first time I really felt like we got stung or I got stung by bringing the wrong people on site and uh, never again. Managed to negotiate our way out of it, managed to actually get to a point where the workmanship was okay enough for us to make payments. And actually we got the project finished and we did get tenants in and I got away and my business partner got away without any bruises or broken bones. But that was definitely one of the worst moments in business for me. And it was actually on a personal level, one of the scariest moments for me. So is there a moral of the story? I don't know if there is, but if there is, it is just be very careful about who you bring on to your building sites. But there you go. I want to share the good and the bad. It happened a few years ago. Hasn't happened since. Learned from that mistake and hopefully it'll never happen again. But there you go. I hope you enjoyed today's episode short and personal. And hopefully now you can avoid this ever happening to you as well. That is it for another episode of the HMO podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Don't forget that I'm on hand with our members in the HMO community. It's our free Facebook group. So if you haven't already joined, come and check it out. We're there to offer you more guidance and support, help you with any problems that you're currently facing or dealing with in your HMO portfolio business. I'll be right back here next time in the same place. So join me then for the next installment of the HMO podcast.